Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Tonight, what I want us to do is I want us to think about where we are in our life, and I want to give you the option, or I want to give you the opportunity to listen to God's recalculating for your life to get back where you need to be. That makes sense. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 28. Um, this is maybe one of the most like talked about sayings of Jesus. Not quite the one that April shared with us, the for God so love, but it's talked about. And the reason that I think it, it's talked about so much is because of what happened here. I don't, I don't want to make things like, I don't want to bring, bring up things that are difficult for you, but I want to ask you this question. If somebody you know that has passed away came back to life and told you something, would you listen? Yeah, right? Um, I, I'm sure that if George Washington came back to life and said something to you, would you listen? Probably. Yeah. If, if my granddad came to me and talked to me tonight, you better believe I'd be listening. Well, the disciples, the people who followed Jesus, they saw something that was the worst experience of their life. They saw on a cross, they saw their, their Savior, they saw the person they've been following and been trusting, they saw him put to death. And they saw him put in the tomb. And they knew that in the past three days he had been in that tomb. And then all of a sudden, that person they saw put to death was standing in front of them. And it was Jesus. And he, before he went back to heaven, he had some words for them. And these are the words that he had to say. Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So this is what Jesus says. And pretty much what he's telling his disciples is, what I showed you and the faith that I gave you, I want you to give to other people. So we know God's plan for us, first off, is to give that faith to other people. But secondly, this is kind of a roadmap for where God wants us to be. He says, I want you to first be my disciple, be my follower. I want you to follow me. I want you to put your faith in me. The second thing that God wants us to do is that he wants us to be baptized and identify with him. And the third thing he wants us to do is to obey everything he's commanded. That's God's roadmap for us. The question is, are you on the roadmap tonight? So I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to think about three things that we find in these verses. And the first is that Jesus has authority. Uh, Jesus has authority. We're just kind of breaking this verse down. If you look at this verse, the beginning of this verse 18, I've got it highlighted on the screens. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to his followers. There are only, there are only um, 11 Christians in the world at this point. It's, it's, it's the year 33 AD. There are 11 Christians in the world, and Jesus is standing in front of them, and he says to them, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. This word authority is something that we, we, we kind of don't like. You ever met someone who's a power tripper? And they power trip on authority. You, like, like the one guy that's the hall, like, I don't know if you guys have hall monitors anymore, but we had hall monitors. You know, and you give, like, that one guy, like, that, you know, that one, like, student in the band that gets to be, like, the drum major gets a little bit of authority, and all of a sudden they're, like, where you're, like, oh, hello, Hitler, where'd you come from? You know, like, <laughs> pretty much, you know. All of a sudden they just go totally, like, crazy on you because they've been given this little bit of authority. So when we read this word authority, you know, we, sometimes we, we have like a bad taste in our mouth for authority because we're like, yeah, yeah. I, I know people that have authority, and they're all a bunch of jerks. 
Okay, so we have to understand what authority really means, and sometimes people take authority when they shouldn't have authority, and the authority should go to God, and this is one of these cases. Because this word, when the Bible was written, it was written in Greek, and then it was, it's been translated to English. So the word that Jesus actually said was not authority. He didn't speak English. He didn't press one for English. He, he said the Greek word, exousia. And this word exousia means the power of choice, liberty to do as one pleases, right, rule, command, truthfulness, and regal authority. Jesus didn't have to earn authority. You know, some of us, we hope that like, you know, we can get this position in our, you know, on our team. We can be captain of a team or we can, you know, we, we can go to college and get this degree so that we can be like, in charge of other people and sit at a desk while other people do what, do, what, uh, do what we want. But to do that, we have to earn authority. Jesus didn't have to earn authority because Jesus was God. John chapter 1 says, Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was God in a bod. So Jesus didn't have to earn his authority. But as he lived this life, as he lived on earth and he became a human and he lived on earth, he proved his authority. Jesus didn't have to earn his authority, but what he did for us was he proved that he was who he says he was. He proved it in many ways. Um, he did it by um, doing many miracles. At the, you know, at, at the words of Jesus, blind people were able to see. At the words of Jesus, demons came out of people. At the words of Jesus, people who couldn't walk, were made to walk again. At the words of Jesus, people who were dead came back to life. Jesus didn't do, do, do this just once or twice. He did it on a continual basis. And then Jesus did the ultimate miracle. And the one that, yeah, even if you're like, okay, you know, that, there's probably some like, like you know, David Copperfield kind of explanation for this. This one you can't explain away. Jesus was dead and he brought himself back to life. So Jesus proved that he has authority, that he has power, and he doesn't just have power, but he's the only one who can rightfully execute that. I wrote down a couple things um, that Jesus has authority over. Matthew 9, 8, he has authority to heal the sick. He has authority to raise the dead. He has a, the authority to pay for sins, to overcome death. The, the authority to be the, I guess you could say a mediator, or be the one who bridges the gap between humans and God, who helps us get, who allows us to get to God. Jesus is the only one who can offer, has the authority to offer forgiveness. He's the only one who's 100% truthful all the time. He has authority to exercise compassion. He has the authority to give us what we ask for in prayer, to judge others, to give eternal life, and he has the authority to be the way to heaven. I've got a picture of something that we don't use anymore on the screen, and it's called the Rand McNally Road Atlas. Back in the day, your parents will probably remember this, if you were going to go on a trip, you didn't have a GPS, so what you had to have was a road atlas. And on this atlas would be this thing called a map. And on this thing called a map, you'd have to find out where you are in the map, then you'd have to find out where you're going in the map, and then you've got to route, you've got to come up with your own route. You know, Siri can't do it for you. You've got to come up with your own route to get to your destination. And the reason that you can trust this map is because somebody had driven all those roads and charted out all those roads, and it wasn't just some redneck in, in Lincoln County, no offense to you Lincoln Countyans, some redneck in Lincoln County doing it out of his trailer. Like, he was a, he, he, this, you know, he, there was a huge company that took ownership and responsibility, so we could trust that this map company has authority on where you should go. Jesus, we can trust him. He has authority on where you should be in life. Jesus knows where you need to be. You may have kind of taken a couple wrong turns and you don't know where you are in life and you feel like you're wandering aimlessly in life. Jesus 
knows exactly where you are in life. He knows exactly where you need to be in life, and he provides you a plan to get where you need to be from point A to point B. So you think you're lost. Jesus knows exactly where you are because he has authority. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So there's no problem. There's no being too lost that Jesus can't get you back to where you need to be. There's no problem too big that Jesus isn't bigger. So Jesus has authority. Make sense? So in his authority, he gave us a plan. Jesus has a plan. And that's what we find um, in verse 19. He says, therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded. So this is, this is where Jesus, he gives us three steps of where he wants us to be. And what I want you to do as, as we're talking about these three steps, I want you to think about which step am I on. I've got them represented by some, some pictures here. So I want you to ask yourself, you know, some of you are kind of new to here. Some of you have been here for a long time. But you know, I, I want you to really think about where you are here in, in this plan. And some of us get stuck between the steps. But the first thing that Jesus wants us to do, you can see the picture of this guy praying here. He wants us to be his disciple. He wants us to be his follower. He wants us to make a commitment to him and confess him as our savior, to put our faith and our trust in him. Jesus' first step for us is to be a follower of Jesus. The word for make disciples, the word for disciples there is the word matises, which means to be a disciple of one or a follower of one or spend an extended period of time submitting to someone else's authority. So remember Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. He's saying, this isn't something that comes easy for us because we want to be, you know, we want to beat our chest and be the ones that are in control of our lives, right? But Jesus says, if you want to, if, if you want to receive eternal life, you've got to submit to me. If you want to receive eternal life, you've got to put your faith and put your trust in me. So the first thing that we need to do is put our faith and trust in Christ. How do we do that? Romans 9 says, if we confess that Jesus is Lord and we believe in him, we will be saved. Some of us have a weird idea of what it takes to be saved. Um, some of you think that the fact that you, know, you came to church tonight, that, that means you're saved. Um, I, I went to church all my life, went to a Christian school. I mean, I've got more Bi- I'm, I, I, I think I know more Bible than the Apostle Paul. And he wrote part of it. Like, because I, was, I always had a good um, knack for memorization. So I would, I, when I was little, I'd go in this program called Awana where I'd memorize verses. I went to a Christian school where they made us memorize verses. And I, could always, I, I was always a real good memorizer. So I, I was like a walking, talking Bible encyclopedia. But you know what you can be? And what I've learned is you can be a walking, talking Bible encyclopedia and still not have a relationship with Jesus and not have confessed your sins to him and not actually believe in Jesus and make the decision to follow Jesus. Being in church doesn't make you a Christian any more than being in a garage makes you a car. So what we real the first <clears throat> you feel lost, the first thing you need to check off your list and make sure you haven't missed this step is the step of deciding to follow Jesus. So that's the first step is you follow Jesus. The second step, he says make disciples of all nations. And then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why do you think, in Jesus' last words to us, to, to humans, he, he, he made it, it was so important that we would be baptized? Because I think we kind of downplay what it means to be baptized in churches a lot um, in the 21st century. Why, why, was, why do you think it was so important that people would be baptized? I think there are a few reasons. Um, the first is that um, we would follow Jesus' example. You know, when Jesus, you know, 
God and Abad, Jesus, you know, God became flesh, uh, the, the, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, John 1, 1. When Jesus became a human, one of the first things he did before he did anything else, before he started healing people and teaching and all this, you know the first thing he did? He went down to the Jordan River and his cousin John baptized him. So, yeah. I don't want to sound like an old person, but hey, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me, right? If it's good enough for God and Abad, it better, it's good enough for, you know, not God and Abad, right? Um, we should be baptized just because it's his example. But here's the next thing. Um, we take a part in the picture of the gospel. You know how old I was when I preached my first gospel message? I was 10 years old. And I didn't use any words. The first gospel message I preached was when I stepped into the icy cold waters of the baptistry in the old building. And Pastor Lemming asked me if I knew Jesus Christ as my Savior. And the only word I said in my first gospel message was yes. But when I said that word, Pastor took me and he put a little like cloth over my mouth so I wouldn't die or be choked or you know get water in my mouth. And he put me under the water. And brought me back up. And that gospel message I preached was that I was once dead in my sins. But Jesus raised me back to life. I've been raised with Christ. So it's important because of that. And then the, the final reason is because it, it means we're going public with our faith. I think it's so sad that there are probably maybe some of us in this room. There are probably a lot of people in the hallways that you, that you run into that are Christians. But they're trying to do everything in their life possible to disguise the fact that they're Christians. It was like that for me at a Christian school, too. They were trying to do everything they could to pretend like they weren't Christians. Being baptized means I'm standing with Jesus. You know, there are some places in the world where doing that actually means something significant. There are places in India, places in the Middle East, to where if you go public with your faith and you are baptized, it means you were kicked out of your family. Your dad says to you, you're no longer my son. You're no longer my daughter. You can never go back into that home. Um, there are some places in India when people are baptized, as they're being baptized, there, there are other people that are going to burn their houses down because they publicly identified with Jesus. Why does Jesus tell us to be baptized? It's because he wants us to be obedient to him and he wants us to take a stand for him. So, first step. Follow Jesus. Have you committed your life to following Jesus? Has there been a time and place in your life where you said yes to Jesus? Second thing is God wants you to follow him in obedience, to obey him and be baptized. Maybe you've never been baptized. Um, come see me afterwards. I don't want to say it's painless. <laughs> it's really, it's, it is painless. Um, but, you know, what we do is for people who are a little nervous about being baptized, um, we do like a youth group baptism, and we do it on a Sunday night, and we all get in the front row, so all you see are our pretty faces, um, and, um, and, and pastor can baptize you, or, or if you'd more, be more comfortable with me, I, I can baptize you, and then afterwards, we'll throw a big party for you. If you haven't done that before, and you want to do that, just talk to me, and we'll, we'll set it up. If you want to do that with your friend, get your friend together, talk to me, we'll set it up. Second step, be baptized. Third step. And this is what I call the great omission to the great commission. It's to obey Jesus' teaching. That's the last one. You see the Bible there. Um, God wants us to take his words seriously and literally. Look at what it says here. He says, teaching them to obey the easy parts of what I've commanded you, right? Teaching them to obey the politically correct things I've commanded you. 
like teaching you, teaching them to obey, uh, you know, you, you know, the things that won't, you know, cost them a big salary in life. He says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. This is the step. You know, you know what? When, when you take a step, you have one foot on the ground and you have one foot in the air, right? I can't stay like this very long. But this is the step where you have one foot in this world and you have one foot poised to go into eternity. Because this step is a step that you begin here on earth, but it will never be completed until you step into eternity and you receive the perfection and, 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 and the realization of who you are in Christ, the totality of it. But we're taught to observe everything Jesus commanded. Think about all of the things that Jesus commanded. First off, Jesus did not in, does not want us to go by a set of rules. He wants us to, to, to live in a relationship with him. But there are things that Jesus did and things that Jesus said that are different than the way things work around here. How about this one? Love your enemies and pray for those who take advantage of you. Can we honestly say we're doing that one? Here's, the, here, here's one that's hard. Jesus says, I tell you, if any of you look after a woman and lust for her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. How's that one going? I'm not trying to be real, like, negative towards you, but I, I want you to understand that some of you think you've got the whole, you know, the whole Christian life whipped and figured out. And what I'm here to tell you is, I don't think you... I don't think you're all that you think you are right now, and I think you have some improvement to do, and I think you can grow to become more like Jesus, and I think you'll actually find when you start doing that that you're where you need to be and you have more peace in your life. So Jesus says observe everything. How would we do that? Well, first, we've got to read our Bibles. What I've learned is I set out to read my Bible, and I find out that the Bible starts to read me. Does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? I start to read my Bible, and what I realize is my Bible's reading me, and it's exposing things in my life, and it's saying, you know what, Matt? You were a jerk to Jed the other day. You need to make that right with Jed. And, you know, and, and then I start reading the Bible, and, 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 and the Bible says, you know what, Matt? That person who doesn't like you, you've harbored an ill attitude towards them, and you need to make that right. And I, and I make that right. And the Bible starts reading me, and the Bible was meant to be a two-way communication stream. And Jesus has a plan for you. And this plan is for you to start obeying him and living in him. There's a way that Jesus wants you to live. So I want you to think about what are the, you know, in these three steps here, following Jesus, being baptized, obeying what Jesus has commanded. Are you stuck between one of the steps? I think I find myself stuck between this. I've been baptized. So I find, sometimes I find myself stuck between step two and step three. And I need to get back on course. And that's my spiritual GPS is pulling me back. So I hope you don't feel defeated because maybe there's something you're struggling with in one of these steps. But here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want to end on. The final part of this verse. Maybe it's, in my opinion, the best part of this verse. It's at the end of verse 20. We learn that Jesus has a promise. He says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I've got a picture up here. I don't know if you know what this means, but I, I know you've heard this term before. When you and your friends are walking to your buddy's car, what's the first thing you yell out? Somebody said it back there. Shotgun. Or do people not do that anymore? Like, I, I still call shoddy. But shotgun, do you know where that term came from? It came from back in the day when there were stagecoaches. And stagecoaches on long trips would get robbed. So the driver of the stagecoach would have somebody sitting next to them with a shotgun ready to, you know, 
pump full of lead anybody that would try to ride the stagecoach. That's what shotgun means. That's where we got the term from. And this is an incredible promise by Jesus in verse 20. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is something, if, if you're discouraged about where you are and you realize you're kind of lost and off, and, and off the path God has for you, here's what I want you to understand. Even though you've taken a series of wrong turns in your life, you know who's riding shotgun with you? Jesus is riding shotgun with you. He's still with you. He hasn't given up on you. There are times he's guiding you and pushing you to get back on the right path, but you still have the defender God with you. And never forget that. God has called us to do some things that are simple to understand, right? The three steps, it's easy to talk about, right? Follow Jesus, get baptized, obey Jesus. But it's hard to do. We get stuck between the steps. Isn't it incredibly encouraging and comforting to know that in between all these steps, and no matter what kind of turns we take, Jesus is still with us. He's not forgotten us. Even though we're going through a period of grief or we just don't care, there is someone with you that does care, and it's Jesus. So don't forget that. It's a promise. Sometimes we wish we could have explanations. Like, you know, why did that person I love pass away? Or why did that person that say they love me now not love me? And we want these explanations, and we look in the Bible, and we try to find explanations, and, and, and we talk to other people, and we're trying to figure out why things happen. What we realize is that God is not a God, although he does give us explanations. We don't live by explanations. We live by promises. And this is a promise that God made us. I am with you to the very end of the age, to the end of the world, until Armageddon comes, until Trump starts a nuclear holocaust, and the world blows up. <laughs> I don't know. Just thought I'd say that. But I am with you until the end of the world. You, Jesus is riding shotgun with you if you're a believer. Never forget that. You're not alone. So usually we do like application questions, and really I've said the question the entire time, but I'll have Jake put it on the screen. Um, I've said the question the entire time. Ask yourself, what's my next step? What's my next step? Do I need to put my faith in Jesus and become, a, become saved and become a follower of Christ? Do I need to take the step of obedience in baptism and being baptized? Or am I not following Jesus and obeying Jesus the way I should? And I need to get back on the track. So what's the next step? And you may want to follow up with this question. What's my plan? Make a plan. Um, what I've learned is if I don't plan to do something, I ain't going to do it. You know, if you haven't been reading your Bible for you know, a year, you better set a time and a place to start reading your Bible, or guess what? Other things are going to start getting in the way. Come up with a specific plan. Say, I'm going to get baptized this month. Say, when I go home tonight, or maybe how about this, even before I leave the church, I'm going to find somebody to talk to about, what, about how I can put my faith in Jesus for the first time. Make a specific plan. The more specific your plan is, the better the chances that you're going to actually do it. Does that make sense? So let's pray. We'll get out of here. Um, but remember that Jesus is always with you. Uh, Father, thank you for the time that we've had together. Uh, your word is so incredible that it just always speaks to us, and it's always talking to us. And I pray that tonight we had ears to listen, and even the things that maybe we've ignored that we've heard from your word, that tonight they'll s start sinking in, or, or tomorrow they'll come back to our minds, and we'll start thinking over them. Uh, God, your word is never a waste. Um, your truth is always true, so I pray that we will act on it tonight. I pray if there are people here tonight that don't know you, that they don't know for sure that if, if something were to happen to them tonight, that they would be in heaven with you, I pray they'll settle it tonight. I pray that you'll give us courage and you'll give us boldness to make decisions for you. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.